to Totalus Rankium. This week, Round Triple-I. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And here we are in the triplest of I rounds. Oh, yes, round three. Today... We are judging between the mighty Augustus. Who? The less mighty Constantius. He's still pretty good. The mighty Marcus Aurelius. Oh. Oh, yes, and the very interesting Constantius too. Ah, I've got two brothers. <laughs> yes, which we'll uh, go over later. Let's try and refresh your memory. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> it needs it. <laughs> yes. Right, okay, so that's what we're looking at this week. Okay. Uh, before we start, though... Let's have a quick recap on the listeners' polls. Okay. Because we have been putting up some polls on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And um, we want to know what you guys think. And do you agree with us? Yeah. And it turns out that yes, you do. Good. (laughs) Yes. The first two rounds, overwhelmingly, you guys have agreed with what we have said. I feel, though, like some people are voting after they've listened to the episodes. They know what the right answer is. I think so. I mean, it's cheating, but it's understandable. Yeah. Sometimes you need that security Yeah. before you voice your opinion. Yeah, that's true. What do those two weird people from England think? Yeah. Tally ho. Yeah. Scotch Brighton cup of tea. That's what we think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did did you see you were complimented on your American accent this week? Was I? Yes. Oh, dear. Yeah, in one of the messages to us. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. No. It, I listened to the first one back again. And just like, no, <laughs> it's, it kept slipping all the time. I thought yeah. it was really easy to do an American accent, but it's actually quite tricky. I was complimented on my English accent, which I think says more <laughs> about my American accent. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you how. Yeah. Anyway, we diverge. Let's let's get into this, or rather, let's not, because of course, before we go into the rounds, we need oh, to discuss successor Sultima. Oh, it's a big one. Yes, sound guy, hit it. Successor Sultima. Right here we are. It's successor Sultima. This is essentially our who is the best and who is the worst round. Uh, yeah, based on sort of what they did for the empire. Who's best for the empire as a whole? Yeah. No matter how many children, women, and men they killed, how many innocents had to lay slain in a field, <laughs> staring blank-eyed up to the night sky, with wolves feasting on their corpses, they were successful. Yeah. And that's what counts. They, they expanded that empire. Yeah, pretty much. But we, we shortened that to its traditional Latin form. Yes. Success as ultimus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this is more of the traditional lists on the internet where you look for top ten emperors. Yeah, we, yeah. Our overall score is more how interesting rather than how successful they are, but this is success. Hmm. So, let's, as per usual, let's start with the dynasties. Which dynasty do you think was the most successful? It's it's going to be that golden age section, isn't it, where you get those like, five emperors that are just amazing. It started, was it start with Hadrian? No, it started with Nerva. Oh, man! <laughs> And then Trajan, and then Hadrian. Yeah, okay. And then Pius. Yeah. That was like like the golden age, wasn't it? Where everything was beautiful. And then Aurelius. So you've got four very strong emperors in a Mm. row. Then you've got Commodus. And then you had Nerva at the start, who's counted for some reason. Because he was useless. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. The four good emperors, as we shall say. But no, it wasn't. Oh, okay. They scored an average of 11.7 in this round. 
Right. It doesn't help they had Commodus in there. No. Take Commodus out, take Nerva out, Antonine. then yes, they would have been very, very good. No, that is the Antonines. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the Nerva Antonines. <laughs> no, no, we're still in the same Okay. One. Um, the Augustans. <laughs> <laughs> the Julio Claudians yeah. did score very well. They came in third. Okay. Yes, on an average of nine, despite how utterly mad most of them were. It's not like the oh one with Constantine and the Constantinian. No, although they did come joint fourth with oh, the no. Tetrarchic dynasties with eight point three, so they did do very strongly. No, the by far like runaway winners of this yeah. is the Flavian dynasty. Oh, that was my next guess. Yeah, of course I it was, was. going to say oh, that. Of course it was. Vespasian, Titus, yeah. and Domitian. All three of them, very successful. Interesting. There's only That's... three, though. There are only three, but there were three very successful. Yeah. So they get an average of 15.3, wow. which is very impressive. That is good. Yeah. The least impressive, you will not be shocked to learn. Crisis. Of course, no, no, no. Oh, the last ones. The last ones, yeah. yeah the fall of the West. An average of 2.6 for those nine emperors. Got two? Wow. <laughs> I think most of that was Majorian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's them. The Crisis, since you mentioned it, score an average of five. All right. Yeah. So, there you go. The Flavians and then the Antonines are the most successful. So that was a good period to be in. Yeah. Just with a dip of Nerva in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, just a lick. Yeah. Now, though, let's look at the five most unsuccessful emperors of all time. How did you narrow this down? <laughs> <laughs> well, 18 scored zero. Okay. <laughs> 18, we are essentially saying, may as well not have been there for yeah. all the good they did to the empire. Yeah. We could have put Rocky in charge. Wow. Yeah. We could have put Jet. No, we couldn't have put no, Jeff. Well, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a short podcast. <laughs> but yeah, Rocky would have done a good a job as these guys. 18. But. To narrow this down, I removed all that reigned for under one year. Fair figuring enough. they probably just didn't have enough time to uh, sort yeah. it all out. So, that leaves us with nine. Didn't narrow the field enough no, there. Okay. So, then I put them in order of length of reign. Figuring that the longer you rule, the more you should be able to do something at least. That's true. So, that just gives us a numerical order. So, instead of bottom three, I'm going to go for a bottom five this week. Okay. Since it's easy to do. So... Our fifth most useless emperor of all time yeah, is Commodus. <laughs> because, I mean, come on. He, well, yeah. he single-handedly destroyed the Golden Age. That's true. That's quite bad. That, that is, it's not great, is it? It's really not great. Um, but he, he looked cool. He did, he did. And he had his bat. So, yes. So, silver lining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Second most crazy as well, so there you go. He's, yeah. he's got something. Yeah. Right, from here on in, it's just a sorry story for the Valentinian slash Theodosian dynasties. Because <laughs> okay. they all come from them. In fourth place, we have Valens. Oh, yeah. Yes, he lost Adrianople. He did. Um, and just generally didn't do too well. No. Yeah. So, sorry, Valens, you are officially useless. Third place, Valentinian II. <laughs> was a child most of the time he was ruling, so maybe this is slightly unfair, but he did rule for a fair amount of time in the end. Well, he grew up, no? Yes. Tried to sack his Praetorian prefect. Failed. Commit suicide. That's pathetic. That is quite pathetic. Absolutely. You just imagine him, like, tiptoeing behind the, the Praetorian guard with a big knife. The guard just happens to turn around and catch him. He goes, oh, no. <laughs> and he slits his own throat. <laughs> what, there and then? Wow, yeah. that's gruesome. It that is gruesome, is. yeah. Wow. So in second place, our second most useless emperor is 
Valentinian III. Oh, not good for Valentinians. <laughs> it's not. Or technically is a Theodosian, but yeah, it's, it's, they kind of link together. And, his son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's the one where Aetius was doing all the fighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Aetius was doing everything Valentinian. Three did nothing, really, oh, okay. uh, apart from kill Aetius. That's true. Which was a silly, silly thing that to is do. True. Can I guess the last one? Please do. Is it Augustulus? No, because he, he, reigned, the empire. he reigned for such a little time. Yeah. So he got discounted for that reason. I mean, maybe we could do a side most pathetic round rather than most unsuccessful. I think him and Quintilus, Hostilian <laughs> would be up there. Oh, yeah. But they're just our lowest scores. And we'll talk about them then when we do the overall score oh, yeah, discussion. Yeah. Yeah. No, so our most unsuccessful emperor on the lost land of all time is Honorius. Honorius? Yes. Because he reigned for so long and did so little. And also all that stuff with Alaric where he just would not deal yeah. with Alaric. And it was just stupid. Just so Come out. on, Honorius. Stop playing with your chickens. Not a <laughs> euphemism. Maybe he was. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's better than chicken than a... Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. So that's our bottom five. Yeah. What about our top five? Who is the best emperor? The most successful? The one that brought the most glory to Rome? Let's do this. Well we got a conversation to have here. Okay. First of all, we need to decide who comes fifth, because we have a joint fifth. Okay. We have Vespasian yeah. and Constantine, both scoring a mighty 19 points each. I, I feel like Constantine more, because he brought he changed the empire towards Christianity, which, whatever your personal views of that, it's still a massive world change. Yes. Completely agree. There we go. Then. Excellent. Yeah, that's essentially what I've put in my notes here. This one seems fairly and I'm easy to me. You, you tap it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so there we go. Constantine is in fifth. Okay. On 19 points. Aspasian yeah. getting knocked to sixth place. Nah. Unlucky for him. Should we give him 19.1 then? Who? Constantine? Yeah. Sure, he's a little bit ahead. Yeah, on that list, not on the official yeah, list. No, that's it. Decimalise. That's his tempo. Of course we don't. So, we now have joint first place, because the next four all scored full marks. Okay. So we've got a four-way discussion to okay. have here. In order of appearance. Right. Augustus. Yeah. Trajan. Aurelian. And Diocletian. These are some heavy hitters, and we now need to decide who were the most successful. Now, oh, so for different things, though. I know we could discuss this literally for a couple of hours and still be no closer. So, I but at least we know no one's ever done this before. Oh yeah, no I one's mean, ever this, compared the emperors. No one's ever thought to do this. So, no. yeah. so what I've decided to do just top three achievements really quickly, okay. and then we'll make a quick decision, gut nice. reaction, right. and that way we're bound to be right. I, that's how history that's is done. That's how all decisions should be made. Yes. So let's start with. Augustus. He created the empire. He ruled for 40 odd years and reshaped the political landscape around him. That's the first point. His second point, he stopped a period of civil war which had effectively been running since Marius and Sulla. Mm. I, mean, I was exacerbated with Julius Caesar, according to that documentary that I'm watching. Well done. Yeah. He used a big word and everything. Julius Caesar. Yeah. That's <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> right. <laughs> And his final point, the empire grew more under him than anyone else. Egypt, Dalmatia, parts of Spain, parts of Africa, the east, all came into the empire under him. They're three pretty big pluses. He's he's the big daddy oh, of the empire. He's the Augustus. He is the Augustus. Yes, Augustus Gloop was named after him. Yes. Yes, but also the month, of August. May. 
and May were named after him. Yes. I mean, it's, it's big stuff, isn't it? That's highly successful. That anyway, is. let's go on to the next. Okay. Trajan! His empire was the largest in all Roman history. He's always bragging, wasn't he? Oh, he was. Look at the size of my empire, he's saying. Yeah. Massive. Any excuse? Oh, shall I? Shall I get the map out? Or are you just like, oh, where should we go on our house? Oh, I will get the map out. Shall I? Oh, I just, I'll just so many, so many places I could choose from. Yeah, it's so big. I mean, it's huge. Just all the time. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Whipping Do you want anything out. from the shops? Oh, which shop are you going to? That's the one down the road. I'll get the map out. I'll get the map out. No Trajan. Put it away. Put, put the map away. Nice no, to see your map. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I should leave it in there. It's so big. It's a pain to get out. Yeah, it was like that all the time. <laughs> but anyway, it's hard to hand in one go. <laughs> yes, you could under his empire walk slash swim from York to Baghdad. Wow. And then go to Cairo and then head off to Tripoli, and you'd still be within the confines of his empire. Wow, that's pretty big. It's it's big. Massive. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> Yeah. Not 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 a, not a Victorian Empire though, was it? No, no. All these Romophiles going, oh yeah, best emperor was a Roman Empire. Yeah, not a quarter of the globe though, was it? No. A bit of Europe and a bit more, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, just saying. Also, the British Empire also arguably did even more horrendous things than the Romans <laughs> as well. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> National pride. <laughs> yeah. So the Parthians were taken over by Trajan. Yeah, and that was they, they, they had been a thorn in the Roman side for a long time. Yes, I mean, they didn't hold it for very long, but I mean, <laughs> it's still impressive. Yeah. He built many things. His bridge over the Danube was the longest bridge, or the longest arch bridge, for over a thousand years. It's all about size massive. of Trajan, isn't it? <laughs> Look at the size of my bridge. I have to get my massive map out. <laughs> we whip out my massive bridge. Yeah. Filth. <laughs> That's a filth. It was then he decided to build his column. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> Just to really hammer that point home. Oh, yeah. Look at the size of my column. Put it away. <laughs> Check out my large erection in the forum. <laughs> all, the, all the senators looking very shocked. What? Oh, oh I see. <laughs> Yes, remember, that used to be a hill. He flattened an entire yes, hill. Yes, he did, yeah. And built his forum. That's and impressive. put his massive erection into it. <laughs> That's what he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. He also, ending somewhat on a low here, he... He also built some courts and some libraries and stuff, but that's not as exciting no. as all his massive achievements. <laughs> <laughs> so that's strange. <laughs> Do you ever he was making up for something? <laughs> His wife, yeah, massive column. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, massive bridge, Trajan. Well, oh, yeah, wonderful empire. They're massive. <sighs> Trajan just shuffling around, looking at his feet slightly. <laughs> Build another column. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Let's go on to number three, shall we? Next up is... <laughs> he turned the tide of the crisis. Yes, he did. He kicks barbarians out of Italy. He in then, the face. Yes, in the face, out of Italy. <laughs> he defeats the Goths in the Danube. He went to the east and defeated the Palmyrian Empire. He heads back to the east, finds out that the Palmyrians are revolting, so goes back, defeats them yet again, then goes down to Alexandria to sort the mess out there, before going back up to Gaul and defeating the Gallic Empire. As I recall, he did nothing but fight, didn't he? Oh, it was just phenomenal what he did. He barely went back home. He is our top scorer for a reason. Yeah. So he does all of that, and then he built the walls around Rome as well. 
pretty impressive. Yeah, that's quite good. Yeah. If Aurelian's the turning point in the crisis, Diocletian ends it. He completely upends the political and bureaucratic structure of the empire, mm. making huge reforms into the civil service and the army that changed the way the empire is run forevermore. Some criticise him for this, say, oh, he ruined it. It was so good before, which is just a ridiculous argument because that argument always points at the golden age and just ignores the whole crisis period. <laughs> so you, you can't pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I... You got to put things in context. Yeah, definitely. You can't just say, "Oh, you should do it like it was, say, fifty years ago." You got to things have changed. Yeah, move on. Exactly. Yeah, he creates the tetrarchy, a system that no one could dominate, where people were selected on merit rather than just nepotism. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. Once he had it up and running, he then voluntarily retires. And the first retiring emperor as yeah, well. In the hope to set an example. Yes, it falls apart within days after his <laughs> retirement, which really is a shame. But we can't count that because he was not emperor at that time. So. Yeah, but well, I mean, emperor. how successful was his reform if it falls apart afterwards? Something to discuss. But who else retires when they're on top? The one of his predecessor. What was his name? Oh, Maximian. Yeah. He was forced to. Yeah. <laughs> he did everything <laughs> he could to try and get back yeah. afterwards. The only other person I can think of, although I'm sure many people will point other people out, but it's Sulla. Mm. Remember Sulla when finally yeah. defeating Marius and becoming dictator? Yes. After he thinks he sorted everything out, retires as well. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, comparing yourself to Sulla is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not one to... No. So there we go. Guys. There are our four. Well, I have two in my head that I think should be bottom, and two I think at the top. Okay, who should be at bottom? Um, Aurelian and Diocletian. Yes, I agree. Because I think Augustus and Trajan, they were, you know, they were empire builders... Although you could argue Aurelian was also an empire builder, he was bringing the empire back from the brink, and Diocletian solidified that. I think Diocletian's changes didn't help afterwards. They were good for him because they, they fitted him and his personality. He had the, the cojones to carry it off. Some impressive Latin there. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think Diocletian should be at the bottom of this. I, yeah. I so let's put Diocletian okay. fourth. You see, I very hastily said I agree earlier, but actually now I'm thinking about it. It's my amazing argument, right? I don't know. Aurelian, is he out of the running? Is Aurelian third? I, mean, I, th I think Aurelian turned it, and it was very tricky times. And I get he was a, a great fighter and everything, and, and, I, and I get that. So it is, it is tricky. But to me, a gut feeling, so that's what we're going by. Yeah. He should be third. Well, I, I'd say Trajan had the easier job. I mean, he's, he's in the middle of a golden age. All he has to do is go and invade with some very impressive armies. He's, he's massive. He's massive. I'd be willing to put him third. Because that's a good argument. That's a good point. Yeah, Aurelian almost matches Trajan, but he does it with nothing. He does it with Jeff and a few horses. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone's dying all around him. The economy's completely fallen apart. And yet he manages to take over huge swathes of land. Okay. Trajan also does that, but does it with a healthy empire. So who was more successful? But he, but he took over places that had never been invaded before. True, but Aurelian got two-thirds of the empire that had been lost back. True. Okay, let's go with Trajan. No, Aurelian. No, Trajan third. So we discussed the last two. Or oh, you want to flip the coin? I, I'm. If if you want to call it. Call no, it. let's call it Trajan. Uh, no, yeah, Trajan third. So I agree. He had he had the benefit of um, prosperity. So Trajan third. Yes. Aurelian or Augustus? I mean, Augustus is Augustus. That's true. He creates the empire. But you could argue the empire was there preceding Augustus. Well, yes. Just that is a very good point. I mean. 
you could argue Julius Caesar created the empire. Yeah, he, he's through a, his actions. Was he dictatus ultimatus? Yes, yeah, so, Latin. I, for I that. believe so. So, but mm. I think you've got to say, even though Aurelian does hugely impress me, I go with Augustus first. I think Augustus has to go first. Yeah. And it's such a boring answer. I want to give another one because <laughs> obviously it's Augustus. But at least I think we can now say Augustus was the most successful, and and we can mean it because we have literally spent a year and a half looking at all the others. That's true, and it's close. I think that's a good list. Yeah. So let's call it. Five. Constantine. Four. Diocletian. Three. Trajan. Two. Aurelian. One. Augustus. Round triple. Tough round, this. Yes. But in terms of points scored, middle of the pack. Mm. Yes, this is the third highest average out of all the rounds, with a score of 40.94. Average score. Highest scorer is Augustus. Yeah. On 48.25, he scored fourth overall in points. Our second highest scorer in this round is Constantius two with a mightily impressive 40.2.5. Then in third place in this round is Marcus Aurelius with 41.13. Constantius II and Aurelius coming 11th and 12th, respectively. And then bringing up the rear, as it says, is Constantius, who came 25th overall, with a mere 31.88. Okay. I mean, I I certainly... I I think I know the one which is going to get eaten first by the lion. I'm going to be honest. Yes, it's um, fairly obvious, isn't it? And I, I, I've changed my idea because originally I, was, I thought it was going to be out of two. I thought it was be Augustus and Marcus Aurelius going first, but actually Constantius two, he got more total points, so he may have done more. Scored high. It's close between them. They come next to each other on our list. Yeah, I admit, I'll admit this is the first round where I'm not fully sure who, going into it who I'm going to call. Mm. Well, I'm just going to have to see. But we know which one's getting eliminated first. But let's not ruin it. No. But it's Constantius. Yeah. Let's do this. Augustus! He was an emperor. He um, picked up the pieces after Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar's death and was uh, Julius Caesar's adopted son. There was a period of turmoil in the civil war in between Julius Caesar's his, 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 his death in the uh, the theme of Bob. And Augustus, um, you know, grew up and he became emperor through scheming and such. His friend Agrippa did lots of fighting for him because he had a damn knee injury um and he became emperor was emperor for quite a long time started doing stuff invading <laughs> so this is why i shouldn't present episodes you were doing so well yeah i'm awesome. so proud of you do you know what most i remember from the uh, eight days that changed rome yeah no, nothing to do with me no no you watched a decent documentary about it recently it's very good yeah. yeah no i've only seen the first episode of that okay well i'll have a go shall i Please. Summing up Augustus's life in less than 500 words, because whilst doing wow. this, I try and limit it to 500 words in the Good. recap. It, it's tough, but here goes. Here's my attempt. Born in 63 BCE. Yes, we're back in the minus numbers. The great nephew to Julius Caesar. And he was a sick boy. <laughs> was his first word. <laughs> <laughs> He went to school and met his bestest, bestest friend in the whole wide world ever, Agrippa. Yay! Yes. One fact I got right. Well done. Tick for you. Can even have a point. Yes. What's that? It's like 13 you've got there. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Watch me lose them. <laughs> Caesar spots him at some point and takes him to Spain to get some experience. Augustus, unfortunately, was too ill to go at the time. 
damn the injury. Yes, but he managed to get there in the end, just just as the last sword was being inserted <laughs> into the barbarian. <laughs> oh, Augustus, nice to see you finally arrived. Yes. Sorry, knee problem. <laughs> Caesar then starts to plan for his invasion of Parthia. Augustus was given a leading role in this and goes ahead to the Danube region to start putting supplies and troops together. But whilst he's there, word comes through that Caesar was dead. <gasps> How? Uh, not flew. recorded in history. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> so Augustus heads home and soon learnt that it had been announced that he was Caesar's adopted son and heir in his will. Ooh. He changes his name to Gaius Julius Caesar, just to confuse everyone. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mark Antony was holding the money at the time, so... Yes. Augustus went to go and ask for it. Yes. And Mark Antony scared him and said, no, get out, go away. Who are you? So he went to the Senate and tried to do something. Oh, look at you, watching your documentaries. Yeah. Yes, he goes off to the Senate. The Senate, who really dislike Mark Antony, think, mm. a young boy we can control. Psh. Of course. Yes, you raise some troops and scare Mark Antony off for us. And that happens. Mm, he goes to Egypt, doesn't he? Not yet. He goes up to Gaul <gasps> to begin with. Sorry, I'm taking that point off. Damn it! <laughs> Doing so well. Yeah, so Antony goes up north. Augustus then turns around to the Senate, who think they're controlling him, and says, yeah, I'll be consul now, thanks. Okay. <laughs> I've got all the sharp things. <laughs> yeah. That's cutting a long story short there, but essentially that's what happens. He then makes peace with Antony, and together they go after Caesar's assassins. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. They make friends. They make friends, They yes. do, yes. I remember this. They make friends, uh, which is sad because later on, they're not friends. <laughs> yes. That is a good summing up. <laughs> I like it. Now, this is when they defeat Cassius and Brutus. Yes. Yes. This is the battle where Augustus bravely, heroically hides in the swamp until it's out, over. Yeah, he wants to, you know, he's, he's... He's trying to loosen the joint up in his knee. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 A bit of... Bog helps with that, I hear. <laughs> yeah, peatiness on the knee. Yeah, that's what he goes for. Anyway, they win that battle, which is good. <laughs> then they split the Republic slash Empire, no one's really sure what it is at this point, in half, with Antony taking the east, the west going to Augustus, and Lepidus getting Africa. No one cares who Lepidus is. We've never really talked about him before. No. So let's leave him out. I think, we, I think you mentioned him. Yeah, it probably as briefly as I did now. So Augustus stays in the West and becomes very unpopular in Rome. He has to literally brick himself up into his house. Things aren't going well in Rome. Oh dear. No, as there's been literally 100 years of civil war, things are just a bit rubbish. Everything's yeah. falling apart. Who to blame? Oh, let's blame Augustus. The new kid. Yeah, he's in charge now. And also they're running out of grain because there's a pirate. Yar, And this pirate is none other than Pompey's son, Sextus Pompey. Oh, Sexy yeah. P. Oh, oh. Yes. And... Yar. <laughs> That's how he's... Shiver spoke. my timbers. <laughs> yeah, is what he'd say. <laughs> you want to walk my plank? Oh, where is that accent going? Yar. <laughs> Yeah, so Sexy P's out there withholding grain from Rome. Ooh. So Augustus very bravely dons some armour, walks straight towards Agrippa and asks Agrippa to sort <laughs> it out. Which, which Agrippa does. Yeah. Agrippa, with no naval experience whatsoever, just builds some ships, creates a navy, sails the fleet down and defeats 
Sexy P. Wow. That's a very shortened version of that story. Nice. Yes. Augustus then starts thinking about Antony. It's time to get the rest of the Republic slash Empire back together. So, a propaganda campaign starts. By this time he's in Egypt, right? Yes, you can have the point back. Yes, and he did something with his will. Well done, you can have another point. And uh, they got hold of a letter and it's read out, Augustus reads out to the Senate. Yes. Or his friend does, and it's a big betrayal to Rome, so he's declared an enemy of the something. Yes, he illegally obtains the will. But he was overlooked because it's so, so it was such yes. scandalous news. They, they, the Vestal Virgins hold the wills. And you can't, yes. you can't just storm into their no, will-holding place. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure what you'd call it, but where they keep the wills. The willery, yeah. You can't storm into the Vestal Virgin's willery. Uh, it's, it's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> the scandal. Yeah. But, I mean, Augustus does it anyway. Yeah. And like you say, anyone's objections is soon overridden <gasps> by what they hear in the will. Traitor. Yes, Augustus reading out... Along the lines of, and it says here that he hates Rome, and he said, you're all ugly, and... Um, you smell in the yeah, face. Yeah. Sounded suspiciously like he was making some of it up, but that's fine. It's fine. Mm. I'm sure that's what it says. Yeah. Yeah, everyone then starts to hate Antony, but more importantly, Cleopatra, the evil eastern witch who is yeah. trying to manipulate Antony. Of course. Yes. So, the war is styled against Cleopatra, not Antony, and soon civil war is on. Again, hugely short version of this. Augustus bravely gets on a ship and asks Agrippa to defeat Antony for him. Excellent. Which Agrippa then duly does. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so, Antony runs back to Alexandria with Cleopatra and then they die because Augustus follows them and they give up and kill themselves. Fair enough. Yes. And if you want to know more detail on that, join our Senate. Because coming soon is Antony and Cleopatra episodes. Oh, yes. And we'll learn far more about that. But yes, they're dead now, though. Oh, okay. Yes. And there you go. That's um, Augustus now in charge. No one to oppose him. He spends a while being the most powerful man in the Republic, which is slowly becoming an empire. He takes the name Augustus at this point. Obviously, he's Octavian or Octavius throughout the story we've done so far. I just didn't mention that. Romulus didn't sound uh, good enough to him. It was a bit too regal. Yeah. So he went for Augustus instead. So what does, does, what does Augustus mean? August, as in... Oh, yes, uh, like anointed ones yes uh, yeah you know what i mean i know what you mean adjectives were really really good yeah so he, he goes for that rather than romulus less regal less some um, stirrings if he goes for augustus he thinks so he then spends the next few years starting to build up a dynasty which is far far too complex to go over today you may remember that family tree we tried to draw oh right at the start <laughs> yes yeah. the upshot is though he marries livia who already has a son named Tiberius. Oh, so Zenithoff's his stepson. Yes. Oh, interesting. Augustus then places as many people as he possibly can as heir, but for one reason or another, they keep dying. Eventually, <laughs> he has to settle on Tiberius. <laughs> You'll do, I suppose. <laughs> While all this is going on, Augustus gains more and more power. He puts down any attempt by any of us to curb his domination of the political landscape. More and more territories are brought into the empire, whether through war or... Or diplomacy, he uses both tactics. He make, makes countless reforms. He rebuilds the entire city. The famous quote of he found it a city of brick and left it a city of marble. He rebuilds everything. He promotes the arts. There's a cultural revolution going on yeah. in Rome 
because of him. And then eventually, after having ruled for 40 odd years and utterly defeating any opponent he ever had, Augustus dies naturally in his bed. His name becoming synonymous with ruler for over 2,000 years. A very brief overview yeah. of his life there. We could literally do an entire series on his life, which the Life of Caesar podcast are doing. They're on like episode 40-odd. Really? Yeah, and their episodes are over an hour long. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's, he did a lot. Yeah. We only ever had time to briefly look at it. It's all very impressive. Yeah. He's, uh, he's one to beat. Quick overview, then. He was the first emperor... He's the longest ruler, apart from Theodosius too, but does he count really? Come on. <laughs> and introducing a new thing this week. This is the one-sentence summary. Okay. He won a civil war, created the empire, and then spent decades creating a dynasty and reshaping the world around him. Nicely done, nice and succinct. Fightius Maximus, a disappointing 12. I understand why, because we, we saw if there were, yeah, actually, the fighting in his name was very, 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 very good. Yeah. But he didn't. He was not a fighter. He was. He a was not manipulator and a. Yeah, he was a politician. A yes, very good politician. Yeah. And he scarily good. As yes, in, you almost wouldn't want him to be <laughs> in charge. <laughs> yeah, scarily good at doing that. And he knew how to dictate a fight. As in, mm. give it to a gripper, he'll get the job done. He knew how to delegate brilliantly. He was an incredible ruler. But yeah. only twelve for Fightius Maximus. I'm going to stick by that, yeah. even though that was our first decision. As a score yeah, in the entire that. series. Um, Opprobrium Crasium, seven. Didn't he pull out somebody's eye? Yeah. 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 Grim. <laughs> Successus Ultimus, our most successful emperor, decided just today. Yeah. Full marks, top of the pile. Yeah. So 20 there. Imago Facius, very impressive, 4.25. He's got that iconic look. You see it everywhere. Should it is now. If I'd have looked at it now, I'd probably not have that back of it. I yeah. was impressed. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, Tempo Completo, a full five marks. As I say, no one beats him there. No. Apart from Theodosius too, but does he count? And a total of 48.25. He was for a very long time yeah. in the lead. He eventually gets knocked down to fourth place. But still very impressive, Augustus. Mm. But is he going to go through? Because he's up against some big names. Mm. Or at least some impressive people. One of which... Maybe our next contender. It's not. Constantius! Born in about 250. Right. He was part of an aristocratic family in the Danube region, and he fought under Aurelian when Aurelian went east. Okay. And while in the east, he met a barmaid, and they got to know each other. Way! Yes. Check out my column. <laughs> he said, whilst Elena went, oh, look at the detail. You can see all the soldiers. <laughs> Lovely carvings. Yes. And he put his little Trajan's Columns model away. <laughs> and they had a cup of tea. They did. Yes. Love the ancients. Yes. And then they had a son after having sex. And he was called <laughs> Constantine the Great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> High hopes. <laughs> yes. He then continued his career and became a dux under Probus. And then governed the province of Dalmatia under Carus. Okay. So he's doing well. Yeah. It's shortly after this that news comes through of Carus's lightning death. <laughs> that was great. And then in another letter that arrived shortly afterwards, he learns that Numerian was also dead of horrible eye disease. Ooh, melty, yes. melty. <laughs> yes. And that Diocles had usurped 
He had. Yeah. It appears that Constantius knew Diocles, as he quickly chose to support him over the rightful emperor, Carinus, who was in Britain at the time. Now, we don't know if Constantius has anything to do with the fighting between Diocletian and Carinus, but he certainly was in favour afterwards, so we get the feeling he probably helped out. Yeah. Provided the catering, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Got some really nice, like, pastries. Ooh, some yeah. pano chocolat. Yeah, some things like that. So you bought like a, one of those French patisserie makers, the ones that you can you know you can do yourself a patisserie if you can do certain things. There's a lovely array of like lovely iced things and yeah, lots yeah. of custardy cakes. I love custard cakes, do you? Yeah, but I don't like the one. No. You know, we get like a, a, a like a puff pastry base and puff pastry top with a bit of icing on, a bit oh, of thick layer of custard. Yeah, and it you just you can't eat them. You can't eat them. They're ridiculous. Yeah, you you bite down and it just squirts, squirts out, and they were a nightmare to eat on the battlefield. <laughs> People trying to hold your sword and trying not to get custard all over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is why Karinus lost that battle. Yes, because the other army bought slightly smaller patisseries. Yeah, well, they went savoury. They went for samosas. Much easier ah, to eat. Yes, they are. Yeah. So, anyway, Constantius was sorting all that out. <laughs> Diocletian obviously wins. Shortly afterwards, Maximian is made co-emperor, and Constantius is chosen to be his Praetorian prefect. Ooh. Constantius then becomes very close with Maximian to the point that Constantius marries Maximian's daughter. Oh, did she know? I think so. Okay. Yes. Barmaid slash saint Helena gets kicked to the curb. Oh. Yeah. Which um she probably wasn't too happy about, and nor was little Constantine. No, I shall call Jupiter to avenge my mother. <laughs> and then he didn't. No. I said, Oh, that god. Ooh. <laughs> Kill him and his memory. <laughs> and that's why it all happened. Yeah. Yeah. However, then news comes through that Carousius in Britain is usurping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Maximian goes to sort it out, but fails miserably. He really does. Yeah. So shells. <laughs> they're, they're tricky to get past. Mm. Constantius is left behind to go and deal with the barbarians over the Rhine and actually does quite a good job. Mm. No Which, shells. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much easier. After this, Diocletian turns up to just demand to know what's going on about Britain. What the hell is going on here? And tells everyone about his plan of splitting the empire up into four parts instead of just two. That's madness, sir. Constantius and Galerius are to become the Caesars to Maximian and Diocletian. Constantius is told, you are in charge of Britain. Woo! Hang on. (laughs) Britain's usurped. Exactly. All you need to do is go and get it back. And it's all yours. But he does, though, doesn't he? Well, yes. First of all, he takes back the northern Gallic coastline. So... Dover. Dover. No, no, no. Calais. Calais, yeah. There we go. So he takes Calais back, or thereabouts, <laughs> and therefore controls all the trade over the channel, something that really weakens Carousius. A while passes, and Constantius builds up his forces and builds ships, and news comes through that Carousius is dead. Oh. Yes. People didn't like the fact he'd lost control of the trade, so they killed him. Not surprised. Again, Constantius waits for a couple of years this time just to see if this new empire falls apart on its own. It does not. <laughs> so it seems it's, pretty stable, actually. <laughs> yeah, so that's, they decide they've got to go and actually sort it out. So he launches a two-pronged attack with him as the bait, giving his Praetorian prefect a chance to sneak round the back of the Isle of Wight. So he was bait. Do you think he was like in a giant mousetrap? Yeah, Pretty much, that's the idea. Okay. 
or he just dressed himself up as a human mirror ball to attract everyone's attention. That's good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's what he did. So, his Praetorian prefect manages to land on the shore, which pulls the troops back from Dover area, and Constantius is able to land. Yay. Once there, they defeat the forces, and then also defeat the Frankish mercenaries who were on the island and were heading towards London with every intention of sacking it, because they didn't have a paymaster anymore. No. Due to this, London sees Constantius as a liberator, saving them from the barbarian hordes, rather than an invader himself. So not only does he get Britain back, he manages to be celebrated for doing it. Do you think he was really confused to start with, but then was very quickly to turn face? (laughs) What the heck? Uh, Yes, yes. Yes, that was my plan all along. God bless you, British people. Hang my flags. Yeah. Constantius then spends the next five years putting out fires in the Gallic province. Remember, this is not long after the crisis. A lot needs to be reorganised, and Constantius does a lot of that. In 303, he then receives an order from Diocletian, who is on his sickbed at the time. (coughs) Burn down all the churches. (gasps) Constantius, in the West where Christianity had not actually been causing much trouble, sees very little reason to do this, so just largely ignores the order, puts it on the in-tray spike. <laughs> I'll deal with that at some point. Yeah, we'll see. I might get round to, to, I don't know, having a barbecue in the church lawn at some point. Yeah. That'll do, won't it? I'd burn a Bible or two. Yeah, let's not go overboard here, he says. So they generally ignore it. Okay. After all, it was fairly obvious that this was coming mainly from Galerius. Mm. Since Diocletian was on his deathbed, and Galerius despises Christians. Yes, he did. Constantius despises Galerius, so there's a good chance he's just doing this to spite Galerius. No. No, I'm not doing your order. It's a stupid order. No. News then comes through, surprisingly, that Diocletian is not dead. Everyone thought he was going to die, but he pulls through. They have a meeting, didn't they, what they're going to do next? I remember that. Well, Maximian and Galerius do. They leave Constantius out. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Which it does not please Constantius, and nor does this news that follows. Diocletian's alive, but he's retiring. And Galerius has managed to convince Diocletian that Galerius gets to choose both Caesars. I bet Constantius is kicking himself, saying, I shouldn't have got him that allotment book for his birthday. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, Galerius has politically outmaneuvered Constantius here. He can now choose his own successor, and more importantly, Constantius's successor. Oh dear. Puts him in a very powerful position. Hmm. So Diocletian then retires, and Constantius asks that his son be returned to him. After all, Constantine the Great was with Diocletian at this point. Diocletian retires, so now Constantine is with Galerius. His political enemy has his son. It takes a while, but Constantine eventually joins his father, and together they go back to Britain, and they put some rebellions down there. They fight some Picts, but illness soon takes over. Constantius decides to announce to his troops that his son should rule after him. And then he dies. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That's Constantius. Yeah. He is the nicest, I'd say, of the original Tetrarchy. Yeah, most, most switched on. Yeah, he's pragmatic, but he's sensible. He's, he's the person I'd like to have worked under. Yeah. Yeah. He manages to take back Britain after it had been lost. And holds it afterwards, even though it's full of rebellion. Yeah. That is impressive. Maximian didn't manage it, and he was meant <laughs> to be one of the best generals of the age. Hmm. One sentence summary for him. He backed the right horse in the Civil War, married into the royal family, won many battles, retook a lost province, and was sane while he did it. 
That's pretty impressive. It's impressive enough to get him Gene Caesar. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think we made the wrong decision. No. But it's I'm a, a shame he's not getting to the semis. It, it really is, because he's not, is he? No, he's not. He scored 16 in Fighters Maximus. He scored zero on a Probium Crazium. Mm. He scored 12 on Successors Ultimus. His image of Facius was 2.25. He ruled for 13 years and scored 1.63. And that gives him a total score, it's not brilliant, of 31.88, mm. ranking 25th overall. Oh, wow. Right. Who's he up against, though? Oh, yes. Ooh. It's... Marcus Aurelius! Born in 121 as Marcus Annius Gatilius Severus. Oh, yeah. Sexy name. He was three when his father died. Oh, man. <laughs> It's <laughs> just coming back to you, yeah. 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 Put a little cross on your note there. That's number one. <laughs> Dad's dead. He lived with his mother. He was taught at home and he was very, very good at his studies. When he was 12, his mother told him off for dressing up like a philosopher and sleeping on the floor. Get off the floor, Marcus. Like an idiot. Yeah, I love that. It's just, <laughs> stop playing around. But I am a philosopher. Stop sleeping on the floor. Is it the floor, mother? Or is it the ceiling and we're all upside down? Get in bed. <laughs> just, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was his youth. Poor kid. Yeah. At the age of 15, he was noticed by the Emperor Hadrian, who singled him out for succession. He was obviously an impressive young man. Mm. Fearing that he was too young for power, however, Hadrian, realising that power corrupts youth, decides to put in a placeholder. So, adopts Lucius, who becomes the next emperor. Although he doesn't. No. Because he dies. Yeah, OK. <laughs> that plan failed. So then he adopts Antoninus Pius. Mm. to become the next emperor. And that one does work. Yes, he is stopgap emperor. He can rule for a couple of years, and then Marcus Aurelius can rule. Didn't we do an episode on Lucius? No, no, this is his father. Uh, oh! Yes. Oh, yeah, because we share names, don't we? Yeah, they always share the names. Yeah, it's all linked, all, all together. But what we have now is Antoninus Pius adopting Marcus Aurelius, and Hadrian adopting Antoninus Pius. Okay. Marcus Aurelius was not happy that he was now the grandson of Hadrian and reluctantly went to live with the grumpy old man. He wastes no time whatsoever telling everyone who worked at the palace that imperial power is evil. Ooh. Hadrian then dies and Antoninus Pius becomes the emperor. Marcus Aurelius marries his daughter and then helped him in his duties. Okay. Marcus did not enjoy himself, however as he did not believe in the trappings of wealth and disliked all the pomp and ceremony around being the heir. That said, he was very close to Antoninus Pius. The two worked very well together. So he didn't like being the heir, but he wasn't going to shun Antoninus Pius. No. And he did his, he did his job. Yeah. That was his duty, after yeah. all. And then begins the roll call of death. Dun, 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 dun. Marcus and Faustina have 13 children. Only five outlive him. In 147, they have a baby girl. She dies in her 20s. In 149, they have twins. One dies within a year, the other lives. Outlasts him. This is the one that marries oh, okay. Lucius Verus. Right. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? The year later, they have another set of twins. They both die within a year. Then in 152, they have another ch child, a boy. He lives until the age of five and then <laughs> dies. Shortly after that, they have another girl who is dead before the age of 10. It's around this time his mother dies. In 157, their youngest boy then dies. At this point, he writes a letter to Fronto 
And I quoted this in the main episode, but I think it just sums it up and him up perfectly. I should not pray to lose children, but to pray not to be afraid of losing children. Oh, that's his stoicism coming in there. What will be, will be. I should pray not to fear it. That's that's Zen Buddhism, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't change it. Yeah, exactly. In 159 and 160, they have two girls. They both live. Hey! How nice. Then twins. There's a lot of twins in this family. Yeah. Yeah. Third set of twins there now. Titus and Commodus. Yeah. Titus is dead within a year. But it's Commodus. I'm guessing Commodus ate him. (laughs) (laughs) Bashed him into chunks of the club. Oh, yeah. No, it's his rattle. Yeah. (laughs) He got little drawing pins and blue tapped them to the rattle and just beat his tongue to death. That's what he did. Yes. And then they have Marcus. Little Marcus. He dies before the age of eight. Stop having children. (laughs) It's clearly not a thing. Working. And then they have a daughter and she lives, which is nice. So there you go. There's the roll call of death. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, including his mum and dad. Yeah, that is uh, eleven close family members, like immediate family members, dead. I, I just can't even imagine. That's brutal. Insanely brutal. But that said, I mean, the times were... It'd be a very rare family that didn't have a child die. That's it's true. just what yeah. things were like back then. But I, I'm sure this many would have been unusual. So, obviously, other things were happening at the same time mm. as all of this. Because that, that's a good period of years that that happened over. Because Antoninus Pius also dies. His adopted father, mm-hmm. Pop another cross on. <laughs> which makes Marcus Aurelius the emperor. But he unexpectedly promotes Verus with him. Oh, yes. Yes, which no one was expecting. Why? Who? What, the idiot? The drunk. (laughs) Why? Why would you do this, Marcus? But this was done in a sort of a... Because he was the straight man. He was the the showboater. He was the army guy, wasn't he? Kind of. Well... (laughs) He went on tour. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think Marcus Aurelius wanted to be able to have some time to dedicate to things he wanted to do. Be a stoic. Read. uh, Yeah, read, probably. And, um, yeah saw the wisdom of sharing some of the power, I think, was the idea. It's just, unfortunately, it was Varus. But <laughs> never mind. <laughs> right, there was a huge flood soon after he becomes the emperor, which apparently he dealt with very well. We have few details, but there you go. Stoically. Yeah. <laughs> they are dead. <laughs> just standing up to his chin in water. Yes, it's flooded. At least... We should not have to bathe tonight. What will be, will be. Pass me my sandwich. It's soggy, sir. <laughs> Just stubbornly still sitting down for a meal in the <laughs> water. <laughs> or fish swim past and taking a bite out. <laughs> yeah. Then the Parthians invade Armenia. So Verus goes east to deal with that whilst Marcus Aurelius runs the empire from Rome. He writes philosophy at this time. And he puts a lot of time and effort into the administrative duties of running an empire. Generally does a very good job. Eventually, Verus comes back victorious, and the two of them celebrate a triumph. However, it soon becomes clear that Verus taking a large number of the troops from the Danube and the Rhine and taking them east has a knock-on effect. Barbarians were starting to flood into the Danube and Rhine regions. Max Aurelius and Verus head up north to see what can be done. They do a tour. And I love the fact that Verus apparently was quite happy with what he saw. Yeah, that will do. But Marcus Aurelius was not convinced (laughs) at all. So, 
It's a wooden fence, Ferris. <laughs> I'll keep him out. Look at it. It's, it's sturdy. Crunk. Snap. <laughs> oh, well, to, to prop that up, that'll be fine. It'll no, be fine. You really won't. No, Ferris. we need to do something, Ferris. Oh. Can't we just go home and drink? <laughs> Ferris then dies, suddenly, of the plague. Not cirrhosis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that. But pop oh, yeah. another cross on. There you go. His brother's now dead as well. So Marcus Aurelius finds himself alone in a big bad world full of barbarians. All he wants to do at this point is read a good book. Yeah. But he's got a barbarian invasion to sort out. Damn it. After lots of fighting, he's able to push them back. But then news comes through that Cassius had accidentally revolted. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> this is when he thinks Marcus Aurelius is dead and thinks, I should take over because there's no one else who's going to be able to do a decent job. Good God, it can't be Commodus. <laughs> and uh, it turns out Marcus Aurelius isn't dead. Cassius has gone too far and can't back down. I'm so, so sorry. I'm so... Oh, God, <laughs> okay. I'll just attack. His troops then kill him because they realise there's no point doing this revolt anymore. So that was a big shame. <laughs> he could have been great. Yeah. Marcus Aurelius then tours the east, making sure it's settled. He realises the east's not happy with him. He's spent too long up north. So he does a tour. He leaves out Antioch, though. He's not happy with Antioch. Right. Yeah. They, they supported Cassius. So he snubs them. Yeah. Walks right past their gate, but just constantly looks the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. On the way back, he goes via Athens, which he must have loved. All oh. the philosophy. He must have loved it there. Look at the statues. <laughs> Look at the books. Look at the books. Oh, they're in Greek. Brilliant. Yay. Then they get back to Rome. I say they. This is Commodus and Marcus Aurelius at this point. And they celebrate a triumph. Because, yes, Commodus is now joint emperor. Someone's got to fill Meris' shoes. And then the Quadi invade. Back up north they go. But Marcus Aurelius grows ill at this point. Yes. He asks his son to make sure they continue the war, and then he dies. Aww. He is the philosopher emperor. Yeah. And we've got some great quotes, some great fridge magnet quotes. I'll go for it. These are the same ones from the episode, but I'll remind you because it's quite some time ago. Yeah. It's silly to try and escape other people's faults. They are inescapable. Just try to escape your own. Ooh. Commodus. <laughs> please, please try and escape your own faults. <laughs> The happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Commodus. Come on, come on. Think nice thoughts, Commodus. I'd like to think he's saying these to him on his deathbed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Commodus is just too busy, like, flinging his nail-impaled club in the air and catching it by the handle again. <laughs> Never let the future disturb you. You will meet it, if you have to, with the same weapons of reason which today... Arm you against the present. Weapons of reason, Commodus. Come on, put, put the club down, Com Com Commodus. Is that a bunny? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the best revenge is not to be like your enemy. You got that. <laughs> it's not beat them to a bloody pulp. It's not, oh, you're not getting, just write it, write it down. Please, Commodus. <laughs> you have power over your minds, not outside events. Realise this, and you will find strength. You, you, oh, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <sighs> and as he left, Commodus said, you want a bet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That, that's the wisdom of Marcus Aurelius. One sentence summary for him. He inherited a peaceful empire. He won war in the East. He fought back a couple of invasions. 
and he was so sane he actually picked up some opprobrium crazy and points for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Phytius Maximus 16, very impressive. Opprobrium Crasium 2, just because, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's, it's almost negative, isn't it? Yeah, it's just... A cycle of crazy. No one should be that sane no. with that much death around them. We just It just didn't seem right. <laughs> Successus Ultimus 17. He was very successful. Imago Facius 3.75. And a Tempo Completo score of a respectable 2.38. He came 12th overall with a total score of 41.13. Not bad. Not bad. So that's him. Let's go to our last one, shall we? Constantius II! Born in 317, son of Constantine the Great and Faustina. He had an elder brother called Constantine II and a younger one named Constans. Okay. And an older half-brother called Crispus. Yeah. Yes. And a mother whom he probably liked. He should make the most of that in this early age. Yeah, he really should. At the age of seven, he was made Caesar. Oh. oh and then his father killed his mother and his eldest yeah. half-brother. Oh, good God. Yes. <laughs> oh, Constantine. <laughs> he was given a Christian education and took it very seriously, apparently. He followed his father into the Danube to learn how to lead, and then he was sent east to learn the ropes, while at the same time his father deliberately angered the Persians, which mm. I love. Constantine angers the Persians and sends his son towards them. <laughs> Off you go, lad. Sort it out. Yeah. What? Despite only nominally being in charge due to his age, he fought back and killed Sharpur II's brother. Oh. Very impressive. And then word comes through that Constantine the Great is dead. Oh. Constantius II races back to Constantinople. It turns out his father had very sensibly left the empire to him, his two brothers, and two of his cousins. Oh dear, so five emperors. <laughs> Constantius then does the only sensible thing. He massacres the entire family who were still living in Constantinople. Oh dear. Leaving only three young boys. Those who are too young to be important. Young boys named Gallus, Julius, and Julian. Little Julian. Oh. <laughs> Idiot. It was probably already a disappointment to everyone. <laughs> What's your obsession with going on long walks? Go the quick way. Stop dawdling. It was then decided the empire would be split between the three brothers. Constantius II gets the east and the new capital. The west was split between Constans and Constantine II. Yeah. Constantius then heads off to fight Persia with fewer troops than he had before as the empire is now split. He manages to push back Sharpaw's forces and then uses political intrigue and bribery to turn Armenia back into the Roman fold. Yay. Very impressive. Yeah. News comes through by this point that his younger brother has killed his elder brother. Yay. Oh, that's some news, he thought. Yeah. Who knows what he thought about saves, that. Saves me a job. <laughs> yeah, probably that, yes. Fighting with Sharpaw continues. Neither side can claim victory. Nine major battles take place that we know of, but all were indecisive. We do know, however, the invasion from Persia is held off. Then news comes through that his younger brother was also now dead, and three separate <laughs> people were usurping. Oh dear. <laughs> he thought. Yes. Constantius spends time in the east, securing it as much as possible. He doesn't rush off. He realises he's got to secure the east. He does so, and then heads off to get rid of the usurpers. By this time, one of the usurpers has killed the other, so he's only got two to deal with. First of all, Ventranio. Ventranio. He meets Ventranio, and Ventranio retires peacefully. Either some masterful political manoeuvring goes on, 
or this usurpation was actually a plan all along from Constantius and possibly his sister, giving the men in the East someone to follow until Constantius could turn up himself. Either way, it's impressive stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's how he gets rid of Mantranio, it's good. It's almost Tarantino-style meeting, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, do you think so? Yeah. I want one of just drinking a glass of milk. Yeah. That has a big kahuna burger. Yeah. And it's talking. Lots of cigarette smoke. It says, you've got a choice. You can either quit now or I'll kill you. Constantius starts quoting from this new book called The Bible. Yes. And it's very scary. I shall strike down upon thee with great anger and furious vengeance. That's what it says. Then he uses a very rude word. Yeah. That rhymes with Brother Plucker. (laughs) He uses it many, many times. Yeah. And then he gets on a plane for the snakes. Yes. Yeah. So, Constantius then goes on to fight the second usurper, meets him and defeats him in Valentinian's father's garden, we speculate. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the battlefield. <laughs> yes. Stop Over... stepping on my marrows! <laughs> Over 50,000 men die. This is one of the bloodiest battles yeah. in Roman history. Mm-hmm. But it's great for the roses. <laughs> yeah, great fertilisation. Indecisive. It takes ten months for both sides to recover and try again. This time, <laughs> Constantius wins. It's decided he needs an heir by this point, so the family tree comes out, and... Everyone's dead, apart from little Gallus and little Julian. Gallus was the elder, so he was chosen to be Caesar. He's married off to Constantius' sister and sent to Antioch. It's not long before reports come back, however, about how awful Gallus is. Oh, he kept stealing money and being nasty. He was generally being an awful ruler. What a git. Yes. Constantius sends a man to investigate, but that man was stoned to death. (laughs) Go, go and find out if he's nice, will you? So he's like, okay. Gallus not learning one of the most obvious rules in politics. If someone's investigating you, don't kill them off. No. If you get rid of the person who's investigating yeah. you, it makes you look insanely guilty. And especially if they're appraising how nice you are. Yeah. I you kill them. It doesn't work. No. Right. So, Constantius realises he's got to do something. So he sends a letter to his now brother-in-law, remember? Mm. Saying how much he wanted to meet up. <gasps> he lures him, he tricks yeah. him. That was it. Right, I remember this. Gallus reluctantly, because he's not stupid, he knows there's a problem here. So reluctantly heads to Rome. But he's with his wife, Constantius's sister. So, I mean, it should probably okay. Oh, oh she's dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> as far as we can tell, that was natural causes, but that timing's not good. It's it's the word. I bet he was thinking that. <laughs> and it would not surprise me if Constantius had something to do with that at all. See, he also got no qualms about killing off his family members. Oh, well, it's second nature to him. Right? <laughs> so sometimes he killed off a second cousin once removed before breakfast, and he hadn't even realised he'd done it. Uh-huh. Yeah. He'd probably get the shakes out and kill someone in such a long time. <laughs> so I need to kill a family member. So... Gallus now carries on the journey. Apparently he wants to turn back, but he's convinced that, no, 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 honestly, it's fine. He, he wants to promote you to super Caesar or something. Big reward. Yeah, I mean, yeah he's, he's, he's made a cloak for you. You look really cool. Go on. Trouble is the cloak's black and it goes over your head. <laughs> yes. He's captured and he's tortured and he's killed. Gallus is dead. Constantius then puts down a revolt in Gaul. One of the generals is accused of revolting, realises that he's got no choice but to revolt, then realises Constantius hasn't heard about the revolt to begin with, so tries to change his mind. It's all a comedy of errors. (laughs) Yes, but Constantius does know about it, so sends another tricky letter. 
Come and see me, old friend, he says. The general realises something's up, so he's just killed straight away. <laughs> he's a bit more switched on. Yeah, doesn't save him, though. Constantius realises he needs a new Caesar. And there's only one family member left, so Julian is sent for. Uh, I can see why he's picked last, though. <laughs> he is currently studying in Athens. The Alamanni were causing a lot of trouble because some idiot had suggested they invade Rome. <laughs> you remember, this is Constantius himself who was trying to, during the Civil War, to just mix things up mm. a bit to get an advantage. Yeah. And uh, suggested to the Alamanni that now wouldn't be a bad time to invade the West. Yeah. Well, that's now backfiring, so he now <laughs> needs to sort it out. So he sends Julian up north to deal with it. But to make sure he doesn't get too popular, he sends generals who know who's really in charge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Julian is told, under no uncertain terms, you are a figurehead. Don't try and do anything at all. Don't make any decisions. <laughs> You're too stupid. Constantius then receives word from the east the Persians are invading, so he heads off, asking Julian to send him some troops. We're going to need some men. By this point, Julian does not trust Constantius at all. He has been trying to deliberately sabotage him for quite some time at this point. Yeah. What happens to Julian and Gaul is just not fair. No. no. Uh, so, <laughs> so Julian says, no, no, you can't have the troops, and declares himself joint emperor. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Cheeky. And then does send some troops and a kind of, well, maybe that's a bit too far. I'll send you some troops, but I'm joint emperor now, by the way. Constantius, not happy by this, but is in the east and realises if he turns his back, then the provinces could be lost in the east yeah. and they'd be fighting a civil war. It's a silly move to make, so he just ignores it for now. And he, he fights in the east, or at least prepares to fight in the east, because then news comes through that Julian is actually starting to take cities that are loyal to him. Ooh. Constantius realises that he's got to turn back and fight. But the Persians are still there. Chapeau II is still ready to fight him. He can't just yeah. leave him. Nope. But then he looks out of the tent... And realises all the Persians have gone home. Oh. Which is nice. Shapur is having his own internal problems by a, a happy stroke of luck. So Constantius too is now free to go and put down the troublesome usurper. <laughs> Unfortunately for Constantius, however, on oh. the way he gets ill. Oh. And he dies. Oh. But not before, amazingly, declaring his enemy his heir. Julian. Yes. Was the only option. Yeah. Because well, he's already got land, he's got people to follow him. Maybe if you put anyone else in charge, you just call the massive civil war, it'd be stupid. So. Yeah. A really good decision on his yeah. deathbed there. So It's like if you were dying, you'd say I would carry on this podcast, right? Well, there's Rocky. That's true. I mean, I've got a way up for pros and cons. Professor Corral as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. And, and Jeff. Not Jeff. No. No. I mean, last time I tried to use a microphone. <laughs> but blood... <laughs> Oh, they had to close down the entire street. It was it was awful. It was. Yeah. Right, he's not a well-known emperor, and he's often seen as the bad guy. Oh, he so was. <laughs> because, <laughs> let's face it, he was a bit of a bad guy. Yeah, he really was. But it's a fascinating story. Yeah. And he's not all and all out bad. He makes some very sensible decisions at times. Mm. One in general, just a bit harsh. Yeah, one-sentence summary for him, although I admit it, I didn't really succeed here. 
He witnesses his father kill his mother. He fights the Persians in his teens. He massacres his entire family to retain power after his father's death, and then holds back a Persian invasion for years. He outlives his brothers and puts down two usurpations, one through political manoeuvring, the other through fighting. He appoints and then kills a Caesar, then appoints another, tries to sabotage that Caesar, who then revolts. He goes to fight the Persians rather than deal with the internal strife, and then dies declaring his foe his heir, because he realises that this would be the smoothest transition. You must use a lot of semicolons in that. <laughs> yeah, it's cheating a little bit. A lot of parenthesis. Um, yeah, that's I, Constantius yeah. too. I've forgotten how interesting he was. Phytius Maximus, 13. Yeah. Probium Crasium, 14. Mm. Successus Ultimus, 11. Mm. So he doesn't score hugely highly in any round, but he's got some solid scores in yeah. all of them. Imago Facius, 1.5. Tempo Completo, impressive. 24 years. Wow, yeah. Score of three there. He ranks 11th. Wow. Very impressive, with a score of 42.5. Nice. So there we go. Mm. So, let's knock out Constantius, yeah. and then discuss. Right, so we're definitely happy Constantius goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just he's just nowhere near as good as no. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he's not as good. No. Do you have a definite has to go through? Augustus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just... How can it not be? Yeah, it, it can't not be. He clearly is beating the other two here, I think. So, Marcus Aurelius or Constantius too? So I think that's a good feeling. We'll say it after three. So one, two, three, then say it and see if we match. Okay. One, two, three. Constantius, Constantius two. Two, two, two. <laughs> Constantius three. <laughs> um, oh, we're doing him. We're doing him next week, I think. Um, yeah, no, I... More interesting and... He had that element of crazy, but it wasn't like a crazy, I like killing people. It was a cold, calculating, murderousness. He did it for a reason, and that's interesting. Great fighter, good all-rounder. Yeah. Genesis are is, do they have that certain... That's fascinating. That's amazing. Would you tell someone about this? Yes, definitely. He's yeah. a he's an interesting character. He is. I want to know more and more about him. Mm. He does some amazing decisions. The decision to appoint Julian as heir on his deathbed. It's phenomenal. It just stops the Civil War dead. It's not self-serving, it's... Uh, yeah. It's yeah. the logical, sensible decision, mm. but it's one that many people would struggle to do oh, yeah. because he doesn't like Julian. I just want to get your own back. And, uh, yeah. So he, he, he self-sacrificing, he, he looks at the greater good. At the same time, he massacres his whole family. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? I mean, and that's just... Hideous. What was the Christian way? <laughs> you know what? He's very much like the whiskey we had last night, which was a perfect ah. balance of smokiness and sweetness. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the perfect balance of, you know what, that was really sensible, that was clever, and that was hideous and that's terrible. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah that's a good analogy. He is a good, balanced, mm. interesting emperor. However, we've not talked about Marcus Aurelius at all yet, and maybe if we talk about him will change our minds. He was nice, he was good, he did lots of amazing things, but he's just a bit... Meh. I feel sorry for him. Yeah. I mean, he, he witnessed all the death, mm. and, yeah, he manages to put back some barbarian invasions, but I'll be honest, who didn't? <laughs> many, many, many emperors can yeah. put that next to their name. I, I guess as well, he's sort of... Um, he spawned Satan himself <laughs> over the emperor, empire. That is definitely a downside that um, he appoints Commodus. I mean, that was a silly, silly move. But I don't see how he could have done anything different. No, that's true. You either appoint him or you kill him. 
You can't mm. do anything else. And he's not going to kill yet another child. No. The main reason why he's so popular, though, because he is always on top ten emperor lists. Yeah. Without fail. Max Aurelius is up there quite often in the top three. Hey. And it's his philosophy. Mm. He, he was the philosopher emperor. But... I think a bit like Julian, I don't want my emperor to be a philosopher necessarily. I want my emperor no. to be able to do things. Yes. And you can be a philosopher and you can do things. They're not mutually exclusive, as Marcus Aurelius shows, but mm. not to such an amazing degree. No. So, yeah, I don't think I'm going to change my mind here. I'm not. No, I think this is the first time our listeners might disagree with us, though. Well... I think that poll yeah. that we put on Twitter might say differently, but... That's all right. That's fine. That's fine. So two people are sending through... Augustus and Constantine too. Yeah. So I haven't got the dramatic voice like the voice guy does. No, he's off on his date tonight. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm happy with that decision. Yeah. They're going through to face the others. And that leaves us next week with Round IV, with Diocletian, Galerius, Constantius three, and Majorian. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, all that remains to be said then for this week is thank you very much for listening. Don't forget you can go onto our Facebook page and like us if, if you want. Um, <laughs> please, leave a five-star review. Like yeah, yeah. leave us a five-star review. Or a star review. It doesn't have to be five-star, but, you know, five-star is always good. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can download us from Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher, whatever that is. <laughs> and if you don't check out our Facebook or Twitter, usually do so now because you can vote in our listener poll. You can be part of this. Yes. Okay. So and that leaves us all to say... It's massive. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yes, and she just upped and left me. I'm not entirely sure why. Good Lord. I think it's this job. I think she sees it as below me somehow. Said I could do much better. Well, it is, it, it is pretty lowbrow, but I'll, it's better than what you used on a race. Snail racing is becoming quite popular, I'll have you know. Only in Spain. Yes, well, anyway, what, what is this week? Uh, this week it's uh, round I-I-I, or round three, as we call it, so we're not, you know, not being silly. Yes. And it's, yes. Uh, I believe it's a lumberjack match. I, it's ludicrous. I, what is that? Tell me, Cyril. Well, it's where you have the, the, the fighters in the middle yes. trying to kill each other, and there are some lions on the outside. If they get knocked out of the Colosseum. Utterly savage. Yes, that's what, hap- that's what the lions oh. do to them. Pass me the scotch. This is going to be a long one. Scotch or bourbon? Oh, God, pass the bourbon. I'd best get involved. Here we go. Here we Here. go. Five, four, three, two, one. And welcome to round I. Is Chad. I'm Hickory, and I'm mighty finally glad to be here. It's a damn good day in the Coliseum today, the sun is out, there are no clouds in the sky, and we're here for round I, and this time, it's a lumberjack match to the death. Those lines have lumberjack shirts on, Chad. They, they certainly do, they're all carrying axes as well, and I believe they've had their teeth especially sharpened for today. So talk me through this. So our four competitors will enter the arena in a few moments. If they're knocked out of the area, the lion will savage their faces. <laughs> Mighty excited. Good God, I cannot wait. And here's our first entrance into the arena. It's the almighty Augustus. Look at him. He's eternally young, I say. He is. He seems to be hobbling slightly. Maybe something wrong with his knee. 
He looks mighty confident, I must say. He does. And oh, the next competitor is coming in. It's Constantius. Look at the size of that chin. It is massive. But I gotta say, he's not the strongest one here today. He's not a favorite. No. Then is that booing from the crowd? It might be. He is definitely the underdog today. And the next one is... He seems to be carrying some sort of scroll, Marcus Aurelius. Look at Aurelius go. He's got his own fold-up chair. He's he's sitting, Hickory. I'm Hickory. Chad, he's sitting. I get confused. It's the excitement. And the bourbon, and he's sitting there reading. What? What is that on his scroll? Can you read that there, Hickory? The art of discourse. I think he's learning. I think that's what this is. This is education. Education? I don't mind if I do. And who's this? I'm not sure I recognize this fella. Who's he? Oh, that's Constantius too. And if you know, if you look into the audience, none of his family are there. You wanna know why? Why, Chad? He killed every single one. They dead? They well dead. They dead? Damn! Hot damn indeed. And the bell's going! You can see Augustus there with a steel chair. He's swinging it. Oh, he's tripped over. Oh, that's got to hurt. Oh, he's banned his knee. Oh, he's there. He's holding his knee. I must admit, Chad, I didn't see the impact, but he looks in a lot of pain. He looks in a lot of pain. But I tell you what, Constantius, he's heading towards Marcus Aurelius. He's got him in a headlock. He's got him in a headlock. Oh, on his face. I'm impressed though, Marcus Aurelius' expression has not changed one bit! That is one hell of a stoic mother- His reading glasses are still on. How's he managed that? However, one, if you notice carefully, one does have a crack lens. And Constantius too, marching over now. He's pulled out his sword. That don't look good to me. And he's put the sword behind his back! And he's just walking over Constantius. What's he doing, Hick? I don't think his grandfather knows that that sucks there. He's just talking. He's smiling. What the hell's going on? Good God. Constantius, watch out. You know what he does to his family. He's, he's inviting him in over. He's inviting him in over. His hands come out. Oh, his hands come out. Oh, he throwed his body to lions. Oh, good God. Oh, I, that killed him. The head's sort of rolling, but it's bumping on that massive chin. It's a bit, a bit strange. Like American football. Don't know where it's gonna go. Or just football as we call it. Of course. <laughs> so now we're down to just the three of them. Marcus Aurelius, he's still on his reading chair. We got Augustus, he's hobbling around. He's not gonna survive much longer. Constantius 2's looking strong. Constantius 2's walking up to Augustus. He's putting Augustus's head between his legs. What's it? Oh, it's a pile drive. That's okay. It's a pile drive. Oh, right, Augustus's head. Oh, it's got hurt. He's going to feel that I, I, it's, He's not getting up from this one. He's not. Constantius too has the sword to his throat any second now. That's, it's just going to slice. Wait, who's that? What's going on? That's, my God, it's a gripper. It's a gripper. Oh, the crowd are going crazy. He's, he's fighting for Augustus. He's pounding Constantius too in the face. Right in the face. He's right up against the rope. He's getting knocked over. Constantius Tool's on the floor. There's no way he's getting out of this anymore. There's no way. He's... Oh, Agrippa's moved towards Marcus Aurelius. Something's finally happening. He's getting out of his chair. Good God, he's out of his chair. Wait, wait. He's saying something. He's saying something. What is it? What is it? The best revenge is not to be... Oh, my God. That sword went straight through his face. He did not see that coming. No, because it took out his eye. And what happens when you go philosophizing? That's damn sure. He's picked up his body and thrown it over the side of the lines and having a whale of a time. 
But there you go, we got our two now. We're here, that's Augustus and Constantius too, heading to the semi-finals. Ah, look at the way Agrippa is holding Augustus. Oh, but it's Augustus' glory, that's for damn sure. That lick's got a hill for the next round. That's, by God, hope it does. You know, he's pretty delicate. Anyway, we'll see you folks next week. Thank you for joining us here for Super Sunday Fighting. It's been mighty entertaining. It's been grand. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Now, I understand why she left me now. Oh, why? Well, this, it's just, I feel dirty inside. Well, it is pretty filthy. See, my wife seems to like it. Right. She makes me commentate during the, the encounters we have. When you, um... Yes, that's the one. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, when we're, you know, cooking the boiled eggs for breakfast on a Sunday. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> she likes the little soldiers I make. Real butter as well, not spread. Butter. Damnably jealous. Same time next week, old chap. Goodbye, Cyril. <laughs> that was funny. That was. We should do that again. That's going on the cutting room floor. Or just at the end. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you can stop listening now. Our podcast is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>